Hi, my name is Carly Anna, and you're listening to CE Over It. You guys, I am recording this episode on my very first child-free having childcare day. I have not had a full entire day of childcare since never, ever since having kids have I ever had an entire day dedicated just to doing work. I have, uh, if you don't know, I have a two and a half year old and I have a one and a half year old and normally what I do is I work during their nap times. They usually take like a big three hour nap in the afternoon. They usually wake up around four and that's usually the time my husband gets home from work and so he can take the kids from like four to six, sometimes five, whatever, whenever I stop working. Uh, so I usually work in the afternoons, like a four hour stretch. And we haven't really ever had childcare. Like there was a few months last year where I got childcare, but it's just, I didn't end up working out I don't know. It was just okay. Like it ended up kind of being more stressful than it was helpful. Uh, but I'm having my cousin for a full day every week this summer, take the kids and watch them so that I can work. And oh my gosh, I, I don't even know what this day is going to be like. I don't even know what to expect. I feel like I'm just going to freaking conquer the world today. And I am pumped for it. Uh, so I hope you feel honored that the first thing that I'm doing on my first full day of work is recording this episode for you all. Uh, which, let's talk about this episode. What are we even talking about? We are talking about the oh crap moments that we always have as entrepreneurs that creatives make all the time. And of course I want to talk about this because A, mistakes need to be normalized and they need to be talked about because we all feel way too lonely and way too freaked out when we make a mistake. And so I hope this episode makes us feel like, okay, wow, I'm not that crazy for having forgotten another email or forgotten another XYZ, whatever it is. But the last and most important reason why we are talking about this today is because quite frankly, I think it would be hilarious to talk about this and I want to hear more people share these kinds of stories and to be talking about this. I see so many times designers talking about fonts and how productive their little days are going to be go. And you guys know, I, I love when you do that. I love what I do that all the time myself. Yes, girl, I will always support you slaying the day and talking about your favorite font. But let's, let's talk about the times that um, maybe I shat my pants on a sales call or the email that I keep forgetting to send. I, I wanna talk about those types of things with you guys. And the creative community needs more shat pants stories. Okay, so I'm, I'm really pumped about this. I actually got this idea from a follower of mine a few months back. I wish I remembered the name of who it was so I could give credit to that person. If you're that person, send me a message so I can give you credit on my Instagram. But when I was throwing around the idea of doing a podcast, this person messaged me and said, hey, you should do an oh crap moment every single episode where you just share like people's oh crap moments throughout that week, you know, missing an email, emailing the wrong person, forgetting a launch, whatever it is. And I loved that idea so, so, so much. And I want to at some point make it a regular day, not daily, but every episode type of thing. But for now, and what we're going to start with is I want it to be a full 
episode dedicated to just talking about all of the mistakes that we make as entrepreneurs. So I am very excited to talk about this. But let's go ahead and get into our first little segment. So I asked you guys on Instagram, what a good name for the segment that I have recently just been calling what am I eating slash drinking and watching slash listening to while I'm designing. And you guys had some really good names. You guys are creative. Someone had the idea to have this segment name be Design Fuel. Some people had Food for Thoughts. Oh, one that I really liked too is called calling it The Binge, which I thought was good. Two people actually said Snacks and Tracks, which is genius. Again, you guys are real word masters. Maybe you guys, I know most of you guys are designers, but maybe you need to be copywriters. I don't know. So I think the name is going to officially be Snacks and Tracks. A, because I think it was hilarious that two people said it, but it was just really, really genius and and hilarious. But um, the binge was a second, a, a close second. So... This is Snacks and Tracks, where I'm going to be talking about everything I'm currently binging from food to uh, movies to uh, audiobooks to podcasts so that you guys can have something to listen to and eat while you do your design work. Okay, let's first talk about this protein shake that I have been eating and binging actually for quite a while now. I always go on a breakfast food kick for a while. Like right after I had LC, I was eating avocado toast probably five times a day. I'm not even joking. I don't know what it was about it, uh, but I was obsessed with avocado toast. And now I found this amazing protein shake shake recipe, which I don't usually have protein shakes for breakfast because they don't fill me up enough. And I just feel like I need a ton more food after. But this protein shake recipe from Clean Simple Eats is so good. I mean, you guys know I would not lead you astray. Just because this is healthy does not not mean that it is totally bomb. And I am not exaggerating when I say that I would probably, probably sell my pinky finger on my left hand so that I could always have these shakes continually because it is the food that I go to bed looking forward to eating the next day. Actually, all of their protein shake recipes are really, really good, but they have this chai protein shake that is really, really good, and I don't have to buy any special protein powder for it. I just use regular vanilla protein, and I add, like, there's, like, oatmeal in it and protein powder and lots of yummy things that fill me up and it tastes really good. It's like a vanilla, just cinnamony, nutmeggy, delicious shake. I love it. I eat it every single morning. They also have like a peanut butter cookie one, which is similar to the chai protein shake, but it just tastes a little bit more peanut buttery and cinnamony. Oh, it's so good. So that is something I've really, really been obsessed with is the protein shakes. Specifically, the protein shake recipes from Clean Simple Eats. I wish someday they will sponsor me because I have been using their app for forever. I love every one of their recipes. It really is such a lifesaver. Okay, and then what I have been listening to and watching. Hmm. Okay, so I have 
recently gotten into the show Yellowstone. I'm just at the beginning of it and I don't know if I can quite say that I'm obsessed with it yet, but I've heard it's really, really good. And it looks really, really good. Um, I will say some parts are like a little graphic <laughs> or like intense for me, but it's really good. I mean, it's good, but you guys know when you see a show and the idea for it and you're like, this could potentially be really, really amazing or really, really bad if they do it right. This is one of those shows and it has really good reviews though. So I'm feeling like, yes, this is one of those shows where I'm just kind of at the beginning when the character and world development is still building and I'm going to stick it out a little bit longer because it's not bad. It's really not bad. And I am more than happy to wait for the character development to like really just ugh, hit me hard in the chest because I am nothing if not a character development fan. I love movies, books, audiobooks that have a good character development. Like it could be the cheesiest love story on planet earth, Nicholas Sparks on steroids. But if by the end of the book, I feel like I'm best friends with the characters, pack it up. That's all we need. I'm happy and content with that. But uh, that's pretty much all I've got for you guys on the show Yellowstone. I don't really have much to say or even if I can say I would recommend it, but I thought I would just let you guys know this pointless little fact about me that I have started watching it and I think, I think it will be good. So far, so decent. I wouldn't say so far so good, so far decent. Okay, should we start the stories? Let's start the stories. Okay, first submission, someone said, my oh crap moment. I one time had a client that I had been working for with for like two months and they suddenly just stopped responding to my emails and I was like, WTF question mark. Are they ghosting me? Are they dead? IDK. Solid question. You are genuinely worried for these people. So I kept following up for like two, three weeks and eventually I called them and I was like, hey, why aren't you responding to my emails? And they were like, why aren't you responding to my emails? And I was like, I have not gotten emails from you in weeks. And they were like, well, I sent, wait, they were like, I sent them and I looked and they were all in my spam folder. <laughs> and then she did the dead emoji. And it was super awkward because the last email they sent me, oh, I forgot about this part, was in my spam and it said that they wanted to stop working together because I wasn't responding LMAO. I ended the contract because I was so embarrassed I didn't really vibe with the client anyways. But moral of the story, check your spam folders sometimes. <laughs> oh, props to you though for calling them because anytime I have a client who starts to ghost or just be weird like that, I'm like, Okay, like I'm not gonna babysit you. If you wanna go off and be weird, that's fine. I give them like warnings and stuff if there's like, like, hey, you're about to go over, like this is gonna extend the deadline or I'm gonna have to charge you or we're gonna have to stop working together. But like, I am not here to babysit the client. You know what I mean? If they're like not responding, I'm like, okay, like you know that this is gonna obviously have to be extended. I've talked about it, my contract and my welcome packet. I'm not gonna babysit you. Uh, so way to go for you. I think that's awesome. Now I have Abby, who my project manager, well, she's actually really my OBM, but she does a lot of project management work, which is basically like, she takes all of the sucky stuff that I hate doing. She loves doing it. But the stuff that I hate doing, like 
emailing clients, getting schedules done, um, making sure everything is done on time, communicating with client, all that stuff. She does that. So she's uh, a lot better at following up with clients than I am because yeah, I hate that. But anyways, uh, good for you. Also good for you for having the balls to actually call them on the phone. I can't think of anything that would drive my anxiety higher than having to call a client unplanned. Like doing a sales call or a strategy session that we have both fixated in our calendars. This is the time we'll be talking about X, Y, and Z. And this is the topic that we're going to be talking about. I I can do that. Totally fine. But even when I just have to call people I know and it's an unplanned phone call and just talk to them about something, I get anxiety. Like right now I have to call my aunt to ask her about babysitting plans while we're in Mexico and... I love my aunt dearly and we are close and it's still giving me anxiety just to have to talk on the phone call and I don't know why. So good for you. I think that's awesome that you were able to do that and take initiative. Uh, but wow, you got out of that in probably one of the best ways possible. Uh, I'm still dead that the last email was like them wanting to end it and you were like just calling them like all ignorantly like, hey, like what's going on? They were probably... I, I want to know their reactions because they were probably so confused. Oh, that's one of my favorite ones. That's a good one. Okay, next person. They said, I announced a new website on Client Social before they had their site launched. First, I am curious to m- more about this story. I want to know what the client responded. Like, did they get pissed? Did they just ask you about this? Like, I'm so curious because I don't know. It depends on your contract, but at least in my contract, and I think in most graphic designers contract, like if you go to like a standard legal graphic design place to get your contract, most of them will say that you can use your designs for yourself, like for your portfolio and for marketing and stuff like that. So unless you sign like an NDA or something else. I don't know. Some lawyer is probably going to come at me, but you do have the right to post your work as your portfolio and marketing and stuff. So, but I do agree, you know, out of respect, I always try to not talk or launch something before my clients do, because it's like, you know, who cares if I wait another week or two, that's totally fine. I suck at putting out my clients new things on Instagram anyways. Like anytime a client finishes a brand, it's like six months before I actually post about it on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, I, I get that that's awkward, but legally you are, you are in the right here, I believe. Okay. Someone said my client, (laughs) oh, they said my client today. And then in quotation marks, they said, I'll brainstorm design ideas for the logo. Which is give a little moment of silence to the designer who submitted this because uh, you deserve a little Starbucks or something like send me your Venmo and I will Starbucks you because this is giving me the same vibes of when you go to a family reunion and an aunt or uncle or some other family member that knows you very well at this point comes up to you and says hey Michael And your name is not Michael. Your name is, in fact, Carly or (laughs) something totally off. And they just totally butcher your name and just are so far off 
that you just don't even know how to respond. But when someone is so far off of something that shouldn't be that far off, something as basic as your name, when they are a relative and should very well know your name, or (laughs) a client doesn't understand what your job as a graphic designer is at that point like do we even correct them I don't know because that that's a really hard one it's like where do you even start and that's also embarrassing for them and for you where you're just like no that is it's not even close but um let me start way at the beginning when earth was created I don't know oh my gosh So, uh, props to you for handling that one. We always love a good education opportunity for our clients. I hope you guys know I'm not ever trying to hate on clients for not knowing stuff because I get it. There's no reason for anybody to really truly understand what a graphic designer actually does or really any creative actually does. But I just hope that clients come into it with a more open and collaborative mindset because they don't know everything that there is about how a graphic designer and what a graphic designer should be. So as long as they come and say like, hey, I don't know everything about how this process works, but I trust that you do. And then the client can come in and, or then, you know, we come in and say, hey, I don't know everything about your audience and about your business, but I trust that you're going to educate me on how you want your brand to feel and look like, and I'm going to do my job the best of our ability, right? Like, A good creative job, I feel like, takes both sides being open to hear one another out because I don't feel like there is one side that knows more than the other in the creative process. I think both are really important to the creative process. So those education opportunities can actually be really awesome for you and for your client as long as the mindset of being open is there. And that's all I'm really going to say on that. I know you didn't really ask for my entire speech and opinion on client education and healthy relationships for a client, but uh, there you go. You got it. Uh, someone said, I always forget to countersign my contracts. And honestly, I don't have much to say, th- say on this except for same until I got HoneyBook. And I think you actually have to sign the contract before your client does. I'm not sure. Now that I'm saying that, I'm like, am I wrong? But I feel like I always have to sign contracts before my client does. But yeah, I always 100% forget that um, all the time. Okay, another one said, not paying quarterlies the first year as a freelancer slash not knowing it was a thing. Okay, so this is the really, really embarrassing part for me is that I still don't really understand this stuff. Like at all like I have still never really paid quarterlies I always just wait until the end of the year to do my taxes um don't worry don't stress out for me now because I am trying to get it figured out like I just paid my taxes for last year which oh my gosh you guys you guys it was a ridiculous amount of money and it was really sad seeing all that money leave my bank account but whatever I guess it was never mine in the first place uh, but yeah, I, I don't get this. I'm right here with this person where they're like, oh, I didn't know this my first year. Yeah, I still, I still don't really get this. I'm meeting with my tax advisor and we're trying to figure it out right now. And I'm still just mind boggled at how hard it is to just pay taxes. 
Like we probably know more about space than I do about how to pay my business taxes. It is a true conundrum that if anyone actually figures out, like you deserve an award. You should have your own red carpet to walk down every hall of your house because you're amazing. And it's something that truly befuddles my mind. Wow, I feel like I just used every big word that I knew about being confused, so. Maybe I deserve an award for that. But yeah, um, I, I, I still don't really get taxes. And I'll be honest too, I paid a lot in taxes this year. But this is actually the first year that I've had to f actually pay taxes. Like every year in my business before, I've gotten a return. One, because my husband has a regular job and we, I do know that we take a lot of money out of his paycheck to pay like lots of taxes. So we, we get a big return from his job and that really, really helps. So very privileged to have that. But also um, I kind of like put everything that I can on my tax return, like my Spotify account, my phone bill, like they're all very legal things that I can put on a tax return. Um, but uh, yeah, I've never like actually taken my tax return as like, yep, this is the actual amount of money that I'm making. Um, because, well, like, I mean, my photo shoot for my branding that I just did, I got like a whole new wardrobe, but my entire wardrobe was a tax write-off because I used all of those clothes that I just got in my brand photo shoot. So I was like, cool. I get to buy new clothes and new dishes and all these cute things for my photo shoot that I've always been wanting. Do you know what I mean? Where I probably went like a little overboard because I knew it was a tax write-off. And so I don't know if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. Know that um, I am legal though, guys. I hope the IRS is not tracking me after this podcast. Um, no, I am legal. And I, um, I actually, yeah, the whole taxes thing is weird and confusing to me, but, uh, hopefully I've been doing it right. I think I've been doing it right these past few months. Anyways. Okay. Someone said when I haven't invoiced anyone in weeks. Okay. I want to say this too, because, um, I hate invoicing and this should not be our job. Like, and what other type of job in any other normal life do you have to be the one chasing down your payments? Like if you're working a corporate job, you don't, you're not going to HR and asking like, Hey, where's my paycheck? Where's my money? Like, you just get paid. I mean, granted, there are a lot of difference to corporate jobs and being a freelancer, but little, little tip for you guys. When you're sending an invoice, I like to break up my invoice and my payments in equal monthly payments. So instead of like 50% at the front, 50% at the end, I do like, let's say the project is four months long. We'll break it up into like four monthly payments that are split up even like, so it's like $2,000 the first month, $2,000 the third month, 2000, 2000, whatever. And this is so nice because I feel like I'm getting a consistent paycheck. It's not like a huge chunk at the beginning and a huge chunk at the end. Uh, and so I have motivation personally to keep working on the project, but also it's easier for the client to not have to fork out a huge ton of money at the beginning, at the end. And I have two other reasons why this is awesome. You're not having to chase down payments because if you put it on like a subscription type of mod model, which I think Dubsado does this, if that's where you're doing your payments, um, Stripe 
I think even does this. I know HoneyBook does this because that's how I do mine. Um, but you can also get things like Sam Cart or Thrive Cart, which are a little bit more expensive. Uh, but I love those things. I actually have Thrive Cart and Sam Cart. Anyways, um, if you set it up on a subscription type of deal, it's just going to take that money out automatically. So you're not the one having to chase it. And last reason why I really love this model of collecting payments is because I don't have to worry about like, okay, let's say the client, we need to cancel in the middle of the project or right at the end. Like I have all of the payment for the work done that month and I don't have to, you know, go do all of the work right up until the end and wait for that 50% payment. And you know, like what if they don't pay that 50% payment? It's like, Wait, it's just way too risky for me. So instead, I like being like, okay, 2000 here, 2000 there. You know what I mean? It's just, it's better for everybody. Okay, oh, this next one really just ripped my soul out and just made it hurt a little bit. Uh, so someone said a $1,200, a $1,200 reprint because of a careless spelling mistake. Oh, this is another one we might need a moment of silence for. And if you want, I will send you a Starbucks because wow, that really sucks. This is another one that I'm curious, I need more context for. And I'm curious about if you had to pay for this or like whose fault it was. If this was like your fault or their fault, or it sounds like it was your fault, but I mean, is it ever really a designer's job to spell check things? Like, unless somehow you included that in your contract where you're like, I will, copyright, da 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 Or if they provided the correct copy and you're the one who messed it up, you know what I mean? I don't know how you would do that, but um, that's when it would be your job. But like in my contract, it, I am very, very clear about, it is not my job to spell check your stuff because I suck at that. And it's not something that I'm really looking forward to when I'm designing, like I'm not, I'm not spell checking. That's your job. Like there's also, there's always people on my TikToks who are commenting and being like, oh, you, you spelled this wrong or da da da. I'm like, I, I'm honestly not that concerned. And people are like, well, it makes you look less, less professional. I'm like, well, it's not my job to be a copywriter and to spell things right. My job is to design. So unless you're a special awesome designer that includes that in your contract, you should not be the one spell checking your client stuff. Okay, TED talk over, next one. Okay, an agency I worked with as an IC, as an IC, what does IC mean? Is that like a, let's Google that really quick. Is that like a, an assistant IC meaning? Um, okay, I'm not really getting any actual definition for it. The definition that Google gave me was intensive care, integrated circuit, intelligence community, uh, ice cream, Iowa City, Iceland. Okay, yeah, this is not helpful at all. Uh, so I don't know what an IC means. Maybe it should be obvious to me, but I never worked for or went to college for working for agency stuff. Okay. Um, but anyway, so she said, um, I worked for an, an agency I worked for with as an IC. I didn't limit revisions. I didn't limit revisions in their contract. Oh. 
I wish I had this DM still, but there was somebody, and I can't remember when I was talking about this on my Instagram stories about DMs, and, or not, or about uh, rivers and horror stories, but somebody had messaged me, and this was years ago, that they had 20 seven revisions on just one project like on one round oh my gosh and that literally I, I makes me want to cut off all my toes and never walk again I would just slowly unalive myself at that point if I had to have 27 revisions I would seriously rather take a bad reputation than mm, mm, I say that out loud and now I'm like I don't know what I take <laughs> bad reputation but 27 revisions oh my gosh so if you don't limit revisions, um, that is 100% possible to do hundreds. There's nothing stopping your client from having hundreds and thousands of revisions on their stuff. And it could be just like the dumbest little things where it's like, does that even matter? Or then they'll start being like, oh, you know what? This is This looks really good. But I had this idea in a dream last night of using purple contact paper instead of regular cardstock can we I just want to see what that looks like Let, let's just try it out because your time is invaluable and who knows if I'm gonna like it but let's let's see and just humor me for a bit right so if you have nothing no contract or anything in your business please limit the amount of revisions that you do please Please, please, please. Hopefully there's not too many of you guys doing that out there. And if you are doing that out there, that's okay because I've made that mistake. And lots of people obviously have made that mistake before. Okay, someone said double scheduling yourself on accident for a photographer. So the amount of times that I've done this in my personal life and just for phone calls in my business is absurd. I do this constantly all the time. And so as a photographer, I think this would be my biggest nightmare. And I don't think I could ever actually be a photographer because I would do this constantly, constantly. Um, I also wanted to say that I feel like our calendar systems should have at this point in history emerged far enough where this shouldn't be happening, right? Like technology should have taken care of the devil scheduling problem by itself. And I know a lot of you are gonna say, well, Carly, if you just, I don't know, use your Google calendars in the right way and schedule everything, you're going to be the one seeing that it's a little obvious that you've double scheduled yourself. Okay, yeah, but it still happens. And I don't know how it still happens. And so I don't even know what the solution is for it, but I want technology <laughs> to fix it. But um, yeah, I, this, is, this shouldn't be happening. Okay, next submission. Someone said, we had just done a video slash photo shoot at work for summer Provo promo. We are a health plus fitness slash tennis club and I downloaded all of the photos. As I went to organize them, I accidentally deleted them and then she did the like barfing face emoji. <gasps> I didn't notice until the next day and I had to beg IT to try and get them back. We got them back from our backup server but I ended up crying for about four hours while we waited. And then she did like the stressed out little emoji. But honestly, I would cry too. Those are valid tears. I once did a webinar, which if you've ever done a webinar, um, and I do my webinars a little differently now where they're not like as scripted word for word, but when I was first starting out, I, I needed that little help and extra support to have like literally every word I was ever saying to be totally scripted, which uh, is another story for another day. But anyways, I was doing it regardless, and I had just finished 
creating the slides for this webinar, which if you, if you have ever done a webinar too, you know, it's like, it's like 45 minutes or an hour long. And I was also going to be pressed talking as fast as I could to get this webinar done in 45 minutes to an hour. And every single word of it was scripted out. And so I had probably like 400 slides and each slide was completely custom done, which is another stupid decision that I made. Like I designed each slide to be really pretty and beautiful because I was really insecure about myself. And so I went totally overboard on the webinar slides and a week before, so I just finished them. And then a week before my webinar, while I was working on them, my computer just died, like was never revived again. Uh, I was having like storage problems on my computer and I guess I had just like put it over its limit with that keynote and it just 100% died on me. It was gone and I lost that entire webinar because I lost everything on that computer. And luckily most everything else was backed up except for that webinar. Um, so yeah, I had to recreate like a 400 page or slide webinar and that was really stressful <laughs> and yeah I cried a lot of tears so I think you're totally okay to to cry those tears I think I would have been worried if you hadn't have cried I wouldn't have been worried but um I know I would have for sure okay next one someone said oh she is my first real floor des floral design job for a big wig lady and her birthday <laughs> Already was doing, she was already doing a weekly bouquet subscription, I think around like $2,800 a bouquet, which was already under what it should have been, but I was a flower farmer at first. So I do her party and then send an invoice. And then she does like the face palm emoji, <laughs> which was like way under, it was like $600 or something. Yeah, that is, you know now girl, you're charging more. And she got mad because she thought it was the same price as the subscription. Oh my God. Gosh, she wanted a whole party done for like 20 bucks. Even though it was a delivery plus vases plus way more than my subscription size. So she guilted me down to $300 and took weeks to pay even that. My bad for not doing a contract and an invoice ahead of time. But still salty that someone who had a private B-Day party at a schmoozy spot with all the acout... Ooh, I'm, I don't know if I can say this word. Accoutrements? Accoutrements. Sounds very fancy and likely damn well knows how much floral would have been, didn't pay for what it was worth, but always contracts going forwards, deposits up front, etc. And I would get a kick out of talking to other folks in our small town <laughs> that she owed money uh, while going to this big local resort. Ah, I love small town drama. I love that, love that. Uh, part of the reason why I love Shit's Creek and I would love to see more reality TV shows about small town drama. That is something that is not talked about enough but yeah um I'm with you on that it, it feels like always the people not always but I always hear the same thing where people are like oh I can't raise my prices like because of the examples like this like I am charging $600 which I know is way under what I should be charging but people are even trying to get me to go even below that so how in the heck are you even supposed to raise your prices when you can't even get people to pay your low rates right now right and I will say this from experience because I am this type of person too. If, if there is something that should be worth tens of thousands of dollars and graphic design and floral services, 
there are those options out there that are tens of thousands of dollars. And I think that's pretty common knowledge that you could potentially charge tens of thousands of dollars for that. Obviously that's for like very luxury or big agency, big brand type of things. But anytime people are have a budget of just a few hundred dollars, it is always gonna be a price shopper and someone who's gonna try and nickel and dime you to death. Now, there is a right way to charge a few hundred dollars because like, I get that not everybody can afford tens of thousands of dollars, but that's why I always say like, yeah, I'll work for a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever, but it's gonna be on my own terms. Um, and you're gonna have to really understand those terms. Like we're not gonna be doing revisions and I'm almost on the sales call anytime I try and sell it, it's like the reverse where I'm just like, I hope you know what you're not getting because I don't want you to be sad at the end that you're not getting what you thought you get. You're not getting the normal whole custom logo experience. What you're getting is, you know, a few hours of my time and there's no revisions in that. And uh, I am more than happy to do that. And I do think it's helpful and that's gonna be more than you need at this point. Um, but yeah, that's always really frustrating. So if you are someone who is just charging like a few hundred dollars for whatever and you're feeling the same way where you're like, oh, like people are always guilting me down and price shopping me, da, da, da. Just try raising your prices. Just try it and see what happens because I do feel like there's something special and magical that happens when you raise your prices and you know what you're attracting and people take you seriously uh, more and there's just a whole positioning mindset that goes into pricing that, I don't know, maybe we'll talk about that more another day too. We will, 100%, but that's it for now. Okay, next story. I used to offer a branding shoot as part of my coaching services, but my contract had nothing about it in there except that my client would get one branding shoot styled for them. I flew out for a client's branding shoot and they weren't ready. So we didn't go through with it. That gives me so much anxiety. Like I just did my branding photo shoot and I was stressed about it for weeks trying to get everything ready for it like I can't even imagine just not showing up ready like that gives me anxiety okay I suggested that we could do it another time when they were ready but when the client oh but then the client ghosted me didn't sign up for any more calls and then started over completely on her business wanting to do something else whoa that took a turn we had gone way over the time that we were supposed to work together and then six months later I got an email where she was looking at my contract which said that I owed her a branding shoot and there was nothing in there about what to do if a shoot needed to be rescheduled. So I owed her that. We were like a year after our three month contract was supposed to have ended. Oh my gosh. She was in a difficult spot personally, but I couldn't do a whole new shoot to match her new business idea. Yeah, totally understandable. Like you're not crazy there. Luckily my contract did say that I was style and direct one branding shoot. So I had already done all the prep work and putting a team together. So if we wanted to shoot that, we could. Oh yeah, see that's smart where you're like, okay, well, I already did a lot of the work. So if we're gonna go through with the shoot, like it's gonna be with the shoot that I had already prepped. Way to go. Cause I think if it had been me back in the day, I would have been like, uh, okay, fine. We'll do your whole shoot how you want it. Da, da, da. Even though, you know, you had already done a lot of the work and you shouldn't have had to have started over. I mean, you already, if you were going to go and do another branding shoot, I think you were already definitely 
bending over backwards by coming like a year later and like finishing the work that she had ghosted you on. Um, if I had it back now, I would have a stronger contract and I wouldn't, and I would give her options of what payment would be like to create a new shoot instead of just saying I didn't owe her one. I really struggled with boundaries. My contracts would always get pushed past way where they were supposed to go. Uh, this one is really hard because I know I felt this and I'm sure there's a lot of you guys who are feeling us out there too, where I feel like my boundaries are getting pushed, but like I can also see your side where maybe you, you know, you didn't get what you had thought you were going to get, but at the same time, like I did my job. I did my job and my side. And I think that's something that always needs to be talk or cleared up in the contract. And at the beginning of the stuff is, are those boundaries that you're having with your client? Because this is really similar to what we were talking about earlier, where we need to be better at defining what our job as a graphic designer is and what it's not. And then what the client's job is and what it's not and then draw really awesome boundaries around each person. Because the most successful project is gonna happen when both people do the work and come together, bring it to the table, kumbaya, and love on it, and birth this beautiful creative project, and it's successful and awesome. But one person can't do it without the other. Like, I can do, I can be the best designer in the world, I can have the best ideas and execution, but if my client's not gonna show up or give me the feedback that I need or even be willing to be open to any of those ideas, I can't do my job. And vice versa, the client can't do their job. You know, they can't be a third party perspective and they don't have the experience of being a brand designer and having those creative decision skills that, that creatives learn to hone and, and they have a real skill for it. So it's frustrating when a client comes to you and say, hey, why wasn't this deliverable done that we had originally talked about done in the way that we had talked about? And you're like, well, I did my job. I did my side of the work. And they're like, hey, well, it still wasn't done. And it's like, I, I can't be everything for you. You know, I can't solve the whole problem for you. And I can't be your saving grace for it all. You have to show up and do some of this stuff. Like I've had so many clients who've come to me and they said, hey, they're like, why isn't the website feeling salesy or it's not feeling strategic enough? And I'm like, well, um, yeah, your copy sucks and you should hire a copywriter or you didn't take the instructions that I gave you and you didn't really apply those. You kind of just wrote copy willy nilly and I had to design around that. And so it was a lot harder to, to do it around that. And so, yeah, it's not going to be everything. I've had clients who... Um, after brand strategy and doing all the stuff that we can to give them a really solid foundation to their brand, decided, hey, you know what? Well, I feel like I want to go this way, so I'm going to go that way. Let's do it. And even though it's going against everything that we talked about, I'm like, okay, sure, great. And then by the end of the project, they come back and they're like, oh, you know what? This isn't, why isn't it feeling more like this? Or I want it to feel more like, you know, how we talked about it at the beginning. And I'm like, well, it's because you disregarded my advice. Like I can only do so much and that's my job. And so I just think both creatives and, and both clients, we need to be coming to the creative process with a better understanding of what is my job, what is not my job. And then 
if we can both just show up in our job and not try to either underhandle, underhandle, like under, I don't even know what the word is for that, to just not show up or to like over control and we just let everybody do their job, it's gonna be a successful project. So I don't know, another little TED talk for you guys uh, about boundaries and trying to figure out the creative process and what really actually goes into, into that, into a successful one. Well guys, that's the end of our stories here. I hope you enjoyed this episode where we talked about our oh crap moments. Uh, if you ever want to submit stories or just know, you know, get your opinion submitted on the podcast, this is a very discussion-based podcast. Follow us over on Instagram. It's just at podcast. Um, also, if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, leave us a review, come share this podcast with your friends. That would mean a lot to me. Um, and also, just a really... I'm just going to plug myself here really quick. If you want to work with me, uh, if you're creative or a designer and you want to work with me, uh, you can go sign up for my course, which is Brand Mapping Method. It is my signature course where I teach you my exact brand strategy process. Uh, so if you're looking to solve a big problem with your clients and add more value and uplevel your services, that is the perfect course for you. Um, or you can work with me in 10K Girl Gang. Uh, you can just go to 10kgirlgang.com. That is my high-level mastermind for creatives to help creatives charge 10K for their services in an ethical way that does not make you feel like a sleaze bag, um, and in a way that like helps you feel like yes, I'm earning this money for a reason, and I'm doing this in a very healthy way, and. Uh, because I believe that we can have fun and we can have passion and all the good things in our lives that we love without having to sacrifice it for money. So if you're wanting to scale uh, and add, get more clients at a higher price point, uh, go check out 10K Girl Gang. So yep, those are the ways to work with me, but I will see you guys next week. It is always a joy to be hanging out with you guys. I love you to death and stay safe, my friends.